Hello and welcome to Deep North, Iceland Review's official podcast. Today we'll be listening to staff writer Jelena Cherich read her article, Working It Out, in the latest issue of Iceland Review. And afterwards we'll be discussing her article. A few years ago, Iceland instituted a four-day work week. It's gone off without a hitch and everyone's been happier since. At least that's the story that has spread through foreign media outlets. The truth is much more complex. Firstly, it's not a four-day work week, but a four-and-a-half-day work week. Secondly, it technically only applies to public service workers. Thirdly, although preliminary data shows the shortened work week has had many positive impacts, there are still many kinks to work out in its implementation. And when we examine those kinks, we begin to realize that long working hours are only one of the challenges faced by Iceland's labor market, and that the shortened work week is only one solution of many that will be needed in the coming years. One of the hardest Icelandic words to translate to English is dulegur. The closest equivalent is hardworking, but it's missing a certain moral connotation that the adjective dulegur holds. If you call someone dulegur, you're not only calling them hardworking, you're praising their character. It's a word that encapsulates the Icelandic perspective toward labor. The harder you work, the better you are. Considering this cultural attitude, it's perhaps not surprising that recent studies revealed that Icelanders worked longer hours and had longer working lives than most people in Europe. Eurostat figures from 2018 showed that the average working person in Iceland spent 44.4 hours a week at their job, the third highest figure of all countries represented in the data. Data from 2017 showed that the average local worked 47 years over their lifetime, the longest working life in all of Europe. Furthermore, a high proportion of the Icelandic population worked full-time hours as compared to workers in other European countries. At the same time, Iceland reported lower productivity than many of its Nordic neighbors. This means that before the implementation of the shortened work week, most Icelanders were working more than their European neighbors and having less to show for it. Historically speaking, Iceland is a nation of fishers and subsistence farmers, and you don't have to go too far back in history to reach a time when survival on the island required a lot of back-breaking work. While over the past century, the economy has shifted towards service-oriented work, it did so slower and later than many other Western countries. It wasn't until 1971 that Icelanders shortened the work week from six days to five, a change that happened as early as 1908 in the US, for example. In the 50-odd years since 1971, technological advances have enabled workers to complete the same tasks much faster than previously possible. It seems only natural that a reduction in working hours is also due. It's been quite a long time since the work week was shortened from six days to five and Saturdays were considered overtime. Karl Sigurdsson, a researcher at the University of Iceland's Social Science Research Institute, tells me. Since then, there's been a change in mentality. Bit by bit, this insistence on work as the be-all and end-all has diminished in Iceland. So I think the shortening of the work week is to some extent a consequence of this shift in priorities. The latest statistics on productivity versus hours worked in Iceland are revealing. As Kartl observes, it maybe shows us that the emphasis on being present in the workplace has been unnecessarily great in Iceland, 
in relation to the quality of the work. That it maybe isn't very wise for people to hang around at work for so long if they're not being productive. As Icelanders' priorities shifted away from work and towards family and leisure, grassroots organizations and unions began to campaign for shorter working hours, one of the largest advocates being BSRB, the largest federation of public worker unions in Iceland. In 2014, thanks to such campaigns, the city of Reykjavik agreed to implement a trial of shorter working weeks at some of its workplaces. The aims of the trial were to see if the change could address the poor work-life balance that many employees reported, as well as see whether workers could be equally or more productive while working less. The latter aim was crucial, as the goal was to reduce employees' hours without lowering their salaries or requiring the city to hire more workers. It is estimated that shift workers make up about a third of government employees and about a quarter of full-time equivalents. That is about 7,300 employees and 5,500 full-time equivalents. The main changes are that the working week of full-time shift workers will be shortened from 40 hours to 36. By reducing the working hours of shift workers, a staffing gap will be created, which calls for more full-time employees if services are to be maintained the same as they have been. Kjartnin Media Outlet, June 2021 The early trials showed promising results. Studies of the trials showed improvements in staff well-being and satisfaction, with many reporting the shortening had reduced their stress levels outside of work and had helped them achieve better work-life balance. Male employees reported that it allowed them to participate more in household tasks. The benefits to workplaces were also significant. Staff were equally or more productive and missed work less often due to illness, appointments, and errands. The trial expanded to around 2,900 staff over the next five years, both at the city of Reykjavik and the government of Iceland, more than 1% of Iceland's total workforce. In 2019, collective agreements mandating a shorter work week were signed by large unions in Iceland, and many public workers went from working 40 hours per week to 36. Some large unions shortened working hours less dramatically, or signed agreements allowing workers and employers the possibility of negotiating shortened working hours. The implementation of the shortened work week has not gone off without a hitch, however. It has caused staffing gaps in sectors where work is largely presential, such as healthcare, law enforcement, and education. This is something that the government expected would happen. The budget bill that funded the initiative acknowledged that shorter working hours would produce a staffing gap in healthcare in particular, as well as other sectors where most staff work full-time and where their physical presence is necessary. Zahra Husseini works at a Reykjavik preschool where the 36-hour workweek has been in effect for over two years. Staff there had a say in how they implemented their shorter hours. Most leave early, one day a week, but some choose to take one morning off instead. Others continue to work 40 hours, but collect their shortened days as additional paid vacation. In terms of the effect on her personal life, Zahra says the shortened work week is a change, but not really a big change. If you are someone with a car and a cabin, you can take a half day on Fridays and use it to go out of town. But for people like me, she says, it doesn't change much. Although for immigrants, it sometimes gives you the time to do official business, go to the National Registry or the Directorate of Immigration. But as for relaxing, 
you're always tired after preschool because it's really difficult work. Since preschools did not hire more staff to compensate for the shortened work week, the result is that at certain times, there are now simply fewer staff members to care for the same number of kids. The work of the staff who leave will be on you, Zahra says. This puts a lot of pressure on us. We can't create smaller groups and have more quality time with kids. And because we are constantly in touch with small kids who are often sick, the staff also get sick a lot. When you're only three staff members in the department, it can be difficult to even go pee or take a drink of water. Zahra says that the staff at her preschool have nevertheless adjusted to the change, in part thanks to more collaboration between age cohorts than before. When asked how the issues brought on by the shortened work week could be addressed, Zahra says the solution is clear. Hire more staff. But even if the government and municipal budgets for the shortening of the work week had provided funding for hiring more workers, finding them has been a challenge at Icelandic preschools for decades. It's really difficult work, she explains. It's the lowest salary, and people also look down on it a lot. If we have at least four people in one department, then the attitude is, oh, we're so lucky. In the long term, shortened working hours may help make preschools a more desirable workplace, but it's clear that solving systemic staffing issues will take a lot more than handing already exhausted workers a few extra hours per week. Nevertheless, it is clear that new staff will need to be hired, especially in the institutions where the majority of staff are working full-time. That applies to, for example, police work. Excerpt from a budget bill on shortening the work week which estimated an annual cost of ISK 4.2 billion to implement the initiative. It bears noting that the shortened workweek initiative has not actually shortened the working hours of all public employees. The government recognized that the project would lead to a staffing gap, particularly in sectors that rely on shift work. It therefore offered many workers, such as shift workers in healthcare, the option of continuing to work the same number of hours, but receiving a pay raise. That was the case for Thuridur Hattlgrimstotir, an X-ray technician who works at the National Hospital. I work 90% of a full-time position, but I'm now registered as a 100% full-time employee, she explains, and I got a raise without having to work more hours. In Thuridur's department, however, there are employees who did opt to work fewer hours, resulting in more strain on each worker, especially during day shifts. As she explains, the evening shifts and the night shifts are always prioritized in staffing. There always have to be two x-ray technicians on each shift. If someone is out due to illness or something, then people are pulled from the day shift and put on the evening and night shifts, or people who had the day off are asked to work overtime. Because we're a service department, day shifts are our busiest time, and when we lose a staff member, it means the rest of us have to run a bit faster. There's more strain. There has been no talk of hiring more people in the radiology department, and like the preschool system, Iceland's healthcare system has faced a chronic staffing shortage for years. They seem to forget that people also go on parental leave, get sick, get injured, Thuridur says. Those of us working in this department sometimes feel like there isn't enough planning for those kinds of things. Thuridur is very neutral when she talks about the shortened work week. It has its upsides and downsides, like everything, she says. I'm not working more hours than I did before, but I make a higher salary. But I feel that my working hours have become less regular because I work fewer day shifts and more evening and night shifts than I did before. 
Shift workers in the public system get a bonus if they take on a certain number of evening and night shifts per month. And since the shorter work week was implemented, Thurider feels that she's working fewer day shifts overall. This means she's more often working when her family is not. Hardly a change for the better when it comes to work-life balance. The shortened work week has, however, brought with it some positive changes, such as new rules that mandate more time off after evening shifts and before night shifts, for example. When asked about the bigger challenges when it comes to working conditions in healthcare, Thurider says, In Iceland, we're so few that I think that staffing will always be an issue. Doctors who go abroad to specialize don't really want to come home because the conditions are not as good here. Three doctors in the x-ray department left this spring. One was retiring, but the other two were just so tired and unhappy that they left, and there are not enough new permanent doctors coming in to replace them. So now we have some temporary staff replacing them, and that doesn't improve the atmosphere or the strain. While many people argue that the shortening of the work week has worsened already dire staffing issues in Iceland, Karthler asserts that in the long term it is a positive change. We're in a vicious cycle in the healthcare system where, as the strain increases, more workers give up, and then the strain increases even more, he explains. It's a very concerning cycle. Shortening working hours could be one tool in the fight against worker burnout, and that could be better for staff as well as patients. At one hospital in Sweden, where surgeons' workdays were shortened from eight to six hours, the wait lists for surgery actually shortened as well. This was in part due to less illness and burnout among surgeons and a decrease in staff turnover. The shortened work week is a relatively new phenomenon, and its long-term impacts are yet to play out. Less worker strain and better work-life balance could ultimately lead to a healthier population, reducing strain on the healthcare system and further improving working conditions for healthcare workers, for example. Some studies of the pilot projects mentioned earlier reported that the benefits rippled out beyond workers and into their communities, where they had more time and energy to actively participate. Iceland is one of the world's wealthiest countries in terms of GDP per capita, with very high income levels, high labor force participation, low unemployment, and an advanced service-oriented economy. However, it nevertheless reports lower productivity than many of its Nordic neighbors, as well as higher working hours and a very long expected working life. On top of this, a very high proportion of the Icelandic population work full-time hours. Excerpt from a June 2021 report from Iceland-based Alta, the Association for Democracy and Sustainability. While the implementation of the shortened work week began in Iceland's public sector, it bears noting that in Iceland, the state is the largest employer in the country. That means that decisions that impact collective agreements, wages, and working hours for public workers affect the economy and the country as a whole. Furthermore, in a small country, change is quick to spread. In other countries, the public sector is maybe more separate and less visible than here, Kotl explains. But in Iceland, there is more proximity, and change spreads faster between industries. It's very clear that this is happening in the context of shorter working hours. Bigger private companies like Marel and Ölgerden have been trying to shorten the work week, and it has become more common that companies that want to have a good employee policy emphasize shorter hours. And it makes sense for them. Many studies have shown that shortening the work week does not necessarily lead to lower productivity. Productivity is actually increased 
so the company manages to maintain the same level of production and activity that it had before, despite the shortening. Because the staff are happier, they're sick less often, and so on. Despite the challenges facing Iceland's labor market now and in the coming years, it is relatively well-positioned to face them. As Kotl explains, one advantage of the Icelandic labor market is that it's very flexible in many ways. When there are more opportunities, you see that people's labor participation also increases. Labor participation among the youngest demographic and the oldest demographic increases during boom times. Then there is migration to and from the country, such as after the banking collapse when thousands of Icelanders moved to Norway. This flexibility enjoyed by the labor market is of course due to the fact that we're part of the European economic area. While most Western countries will face an aging population in the coming decades, placing additional strain on the healthcare system, migration may help Iceland soften the impact of this change. The 2023 OECD Economic Survey of Iceland found that the median age of immigrants in the country, between 30 and 35, is lower than in any other OECD country, and that their participation rate in the labor market is higher than in any other, over 85%. People forget this sometimes when they look at migration, that in our case it's a very positive input for the economy, Kart notes. It's clear that the shortening of the work week has some wrinkles that need ironing out. Considering it is one of the biggest changes in the Icelandic labor market in decades, that shouldn't be a surprise. Perhaps by emphasizing the larger labor challenges Iceland faces, such as staff shortages, the shortening of the work week can help spur innovation and positive change. In any case, over 86% of the Icelandic workforce now works according to collective agreements that mandate a shortened work week, or the possibility to negotiate one with their employer. And when it comes to the positive impact this can have on workers, well-being, and society at large, the research in Iceland and abroad is overwhelmingly positive. And while Iceland has not yet become the utopia that foreign media often report it as being, its successes in shortening the work week can provide something of a blueprint for similar initiatives elsewhere. Change is inevitable but we can work to ensure it takes a beneficial form. Some people talk about revolutions on the labor market, but in reality, change is constant, Kat says. In recent years, technology has been taking over more repetitive and monotonous jobs, but on the other hand, new jobs are created in other areas. And those are maybe jobs that require more education or skills. Now people are saying that we're heading into the AI revolution. It's difficult to predict where that will take us, but it's quite clear that it will change a lot of things. Exactly which areas will be most impacted is not yet clear, and neither is what sort of jobs will be created to replace the ones that disappear. How do we prepare for such changes? Kat says, I think Iceland could be much better at making projections for what's going to happen and what kind of skills will be needed in the workforce. That's a type of research that is still lacking here. Despite developments in AI though, there will always be a need for human hands and minds in all of the jobs that require human interaction and care, paramedics, the healthcare system, and education. So we'll see how things develop. For now, a government budget that accounts for hiring a few more essential workers wouldn't hurt. Well, thank you for that, Yelena. Likewise. Um, so I wanted to begin by asking um, what got you interested in writing this particular piece at this particular time? 
Uh, well, I had seen so much reporting in foreign media on the shortening of the work week, and it all seemed overwhelmingly positive, um, like it was just this wonderful thing that had completely improved everybody's lives in Iceland, and you know, everybody in the country had you know started working shorter hours. And I mean, I knew from my own experience uh, living here that that wasn't the case, and also just knowing some people in you know, public workplaces that uh, where the shortened work week had been implemented, I knew that they weren't actually necessarily working fewer hours or that, you know, there had been some kinks in the process. So uh, I kind of wanted to uh, kind of correct some of the reporting that had made it across the border from Iceland and, and kind of give a more nuanced picture of what this shortened work week actually looked like. Yeah, one of the things that stood out for me in the article was the interview with the uh, preschool teacher who, um, as she put it quite bluntly, that, um, you know, yeah, they managed to shorten the work week, but there are now fewer hands to help out, and mm -hmm. they just have to figure that out somehow. That seemed um, strangely Icelandic, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bizarre. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's very um, notable that when you have such uh, physically demanding and difficult job, um, if you make the job even more demanding and on the other hand are only giving people, you know, four fewer hours, the, you know, you're kind of just using those hours to recover from <laughs> your, your very demanding shifts. So at the end of the day, um, you know, maybe it's not quite as impactful as we would like it to be. But at the same time, as, as I hope I pointed out in the article, it is overall a positive step and, and maybe the fact that it's kind of um, putting a spotlight on some of these larger issues will help us kind of address them more in the future. Right, and um, one of the big talking points, challenges prior to these new regulations being passed was of course the issue of shift workers, how they would implement a shorter work week among shift workers and you interview an x-ray technician who says, well, in this case, um, my, I just get sort of a bonus, my salary increases, I work the same hours. But um, why is it that she's working now uh, more night shifts or evening shifts as, as previously? I, I, uh, I had a question about that. Why is that? Uh, well, it's just because of the staffing rules that they have in place. Um, basically, the night shifts and the evening shifts are always prioritized just to make sure that they're always staffed. Um, there's there's always fewer staff on those shifts because there's less to do generally, um, but there always have to be at least two technicians. And so when something happens that causes somebody to maybe yeah call in sick, for example, um, the only way that they can properly staff those shifts is by pulling someone from the day shifts. Ah, uh, I understand. Yeah, and and I thought one of the Another notable thing from the article was also, as you um, mentioned, um, was it in, in Sweden that uh, they shortened the work week right. of, of doctors and actually they found that waiting lists actually got shorter because people were less likely to call in sick and, and burnout decreased significantly. I mean, that's, that's quite the uh, strong point in favor of shortening the work week. Absolutely. And I think... What's interesting to me is, is to kind of follow along and see what the research shows over a five-year period or a 10-year period, um, you know, after this has been implemented on a large scale, because there could be huge benefits, for example, just in general on public health, if, you know, a huge part of the population is working less, and then 
you know, if we're looking at the healthcare, uh, the healthcare field in particular, then we have fewer people in the general population getting sick, needing healthcare, you know, and then not only are healthcare workers working less, but there's hopefully less for them to do because people are healthier. So, you know, that would be a, a wonderful outcome to see. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think I'm just interested to see what the long-term impacts will be because we don't really know that yet. Right. Uh, probably one of the more funniest, funnier aspects of the piece was um, you opened with a, a kind of statistic in the beginning of the article mentioning that Icelanders work generally speaking, longer hours than most European countries, but at the same time, they're less productive. Yeah, <laughs> which, absolutely. <laughs> which is, I mean, the greatest argument for shortening the work week and, and just pointing out that, you know, just, I mean, I think we all know that from personal experience, you know, the longer your hours get and or the longer your shift is, you know, the less kind of, there are diminishing returns, you know, there are always diminishing returns on, on how effective we are at our work when we're exhausted, you know. Definitely, yeah, and I mean, I felt it so many times before that when you're trying to work, you're gonna you're gonna work a say a, you know, you you're gonna pull a a longer shift than usual because you're facing some deadline. And I find, generally speaking, that I'm pretty much useless after four or five p.m. after if I got an early start. So it seems to make uh, sense uh, as far as intuition goes. What was the uh, most interesting? sort of tidbit or fact that you learned from researching? Or what did you walk away from this article knowing that you did not know before? Well, I think it was kind of a funny contradiction that while the government was implementing or proposing the implementation of this shortened work week, they recognized that it would cause staffing issues. And one of the solutions that they proposed in advance was to offer people like uh, the x-ray technician, a higher salary for working the same number of hours, which means that in order to make the shortened work week functional, the government was expecting some people to not actually shorten their work week, uh, which seems quite contradictory. I don't know if you would agree. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's good for people to have that option. And, you know, it's something that, that worked out. Um, and obviously some people preferred uh, and maybe increases their, their quality of life in a different way. But at the same time, it is kind of a funny funny reality of, okay, we're going to shorten the work week of public employees. But, you know, if some people want to help us out by not working less, then <laughs> they can they can also do that, you know. Right. So. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and I'm curious to know, as someone who's lived abroad and is um, pretty well-traveled, do you find, uh, is there anything that sort of, differentiates the Icelandic labor force, sort of the culture of work in Iceland from some of the other places you've lived or experienced? Uh, I think there is still very much this kind of cultural attitude of working hard is really good and it's good for your character, you know, your moral character. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do also feel this, um, I mean, I, I grew up in Canada, in North America, and, and I feel there is a really big difference in terms of um, how much vacation time people have. And I mean, that's a testament to the, the work of unions over the past hundred years, you know. Right. Um, people in, in Canada when, when I was growing up, and I think it's not very different now. Um, you know, you, you started a new job and you've only got two weeks of vacation per year. Uh, whereas here the standard is, you know, almost five weeks, uh, which I think is just, it helps people 
work better as well. I mean, we all need to, to have a rest and like a change of change of pace. So uh, I think I'm always going to remember just kind of uh, being at the pool shortly after I had moved here and, and hearing these two women uh, who were taking about to take summer vacation, just having this uh, this conversation about it. Oh, I think I'll take two weeks now and then I'll take two weeks later. And, you know, and I just thought you have no idea how lucky you are compared to you know, people in the U.S. or Canada who just often can't afford to take vacation at all, you know, and I think there's a different attitude within workplaces as well. Uh, there, there is sometimes a very intense uh, working culture in North America, yeah. and I feel that in Iceland at least, there's definitely more flexibility, which to me is very positive, because I think, at least personally, I work better when, you know, I have a boss that's not you know following my every move or right or expecting me to be at the office at a certain time but rather just trusting that i'm gonna finish my projects that i have to finish and allowing me to organize you know how and when i accomplish them exactly yeah yeah and to that point of sort of being hardworking, being a kind of moral ideal in iceland i mean i think I remember my late grandfather, who, who was a mason. I used to work as a hard man, sort of an assistant when I was in my teenage years. And um, he was always, that was one of his sort of proudest, like, accomplishments. He would, you know, very often say to me, yeah, you, you learned to work with me. I, I taught you how to work. And, <laughs> and nobody else knew how to work. You know, I had, despite yeah. being of the younger, more idle generation, I... I had the sort of work ethic work. because it, it had been instilled in him. So yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, yeah, it's it's curious though to think that you know yeah we do work longer hours but we're less productive but we also get a lot of vacation and I mean I think most people would agree that you know the the sort of Protestant work ethic in the United States is I, it's taken to a greater extreme there than here. I mean as far as vacation goes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's somehow very contradictory yeah i think since since you're mentioning kind of working as a as a young man with your grandfather uh i think that's also another cultural difference of um at least when i was growing up in canada there were fewer fewer people who had um part-time jobs in high school you know to, it was less common for teenagers to be working or, or even have summer jobs they'd maybe go to summer camp or you know just hang out and have a summer yeah. vacation and uh here, I think it's not only a cultural attitude of kind of, it's good for, for young people to have a part-time job and learn to work. I think it's also an economic necessity often. I mean, the cost of living here is so high that uh, as soon as, you know, the teenagers in the family are of working age, it's a help to the family if they start working. And then, you know, even if it's just to pay for their own um, expenses or clothes or whatever they want to buy, you know. Right. And we also have this thing called Unglinkavinan or the the teenage job, which is yeah. basically being hired by municipalities to do uh, sort of to clean the streets and mow the lawns and, and sort of the, yeah, so that, I, I guess that's pretty unique to Iceland that you're yeah, hiring. And, and I think that's possible because there's such a low uh, unemployment rate here and has historically most of the time been very low, except for, of course, you know, post-banking collapse or, or crisis or things like that. Um, most of the time, the the unemployment rate is so low that young people can find jobs very easily. Whereas if we look at, you know, Spain post-crisis or, or housing bubble, uh, you know, so many adults were out of work that it probably was just impossible if you were a teenager to, to find a job. You know, you're competing with yeah, uh, that's right. adults and so on. So 
it's also a, a different reality economically that creates some of these realities and, and attitudes, I think, toward work. Definitely. Well, uh, on that note, thank you for uh, talking with us today and uh, reading your article, which was fascinating. Thank you as well. Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, the oldest continuously running English language publication on Iceland, covering community, nature, and culture. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing to Iceland Review at our website.